Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to us by the wonderful people at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your horror pop culture needs. Everything from reviews to top 10 lists, interviews, everything in between. Everything. They even have a great library of podcasts, which I just added to. It's called Cheer and Loathing. It's featuring Stephanie, the editor-in-chief of Morbidly Beautiful, and myself bickering about movies. There's more to it than that. Just check it out. Cheer and Loathing. It's on every pod-catching app out there. But on to today's episode itself, we have a new interview. And who doesn't love a good interview? Well, I mean, I can't say if I'm a good interviewer, but the people I interview generally are very interesting to talk to. And today's is no exception. Darcy Weir is a filmmaker, a documentarian, and an all-around interesting guy to talk to. He's made such documentaries as Beyond the Spectrum, Humanoids, Being Taken, Occult Journeys, and the one I got to talk to him about to today was Volcanic UFO Mysteries. He has a lot to say on the topic, so let's just get right into it, shall we? This is Darcy Weir. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Alrighty, I'm here with Darcy Weir, who is a filmmaker, a Canadian one, which I literally just discovered, so that's pretty awesome. I'm Canadian myself. Um, so yeah, you recently released the UFO our Volcanic UFO Mysteries, and I had a chance to watch it, and it was a really interesting film to watch, and you learn a whole lot. Uh, so what was the process like with getting to sit down with somebody like uh, Stephen Bassett, who's kind of a pioneer in his field, to talk about these UFO mysteries that happen around especially volcanic eruptions? Sure. Uh, so I originally sat down with Stephen Bassett back in 2018, I was making a film about abduction, the abduction phenomenon, and trying to sort of bring together the story completely. So if somebody wanted to understand, okay, what's the deal with this whole alien abduction story, Mm -hmm. uh, they could come to this one documentary and it'll be kind of like the definitive understanding of that phenomenon. And uh, we met at a conference back when you could have conferences. Uh, (laughs) And um, we sat down and he started telling us about his background and um, how he got into the field and such. Um, That wasn't so much used in the documentary uh, called Being Taken. Mm -hmm. That was the abduction documentary I was just telling you about. Yeah. Uh, which was released in 2019. So I'm still friends with him. I still think a lot of the things he imparted from that interview back in 2018 was very useful and interesting information. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to include it in this documentary, which is about something completely different happening down in Latin America. And um, I was already working in 2020 with uh, Mexican journalist Jaime Maussan. Mm -hmm. Um, Jaime 
I had done a biography on him called Malson's UFO Files, and basically just covering his journalistic endeavors and how he got into covering the UFO subject in depth. depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started, you know, showing me this massive record of UFO events that have happened across Latin America for the past 40 years because he's, he's been in the game for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. He started as a reporter on 60 Minutes in Mexico. 60 Minutos, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw that there was this really interesting phenomenon happening around uh, Mexico's volcanic regions in terms of UFO sightings, mm-hmm. um, I thought, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this story because I felt and I feel that Mexico is kind of underrepresented on a international scale when it comes to UFO sightings. Right. Um, and I wanted to tell this story about uh, the volcanoes that have heralded some really incredible UFO events. Right. Now, I know in the documentary it's touched upon, but do you have any personal feelings as to why uh, these sort of events attract UFOs? Like, I've always heard that UFOs have kind of been attracted to destruction events of sorts, like after the nuclear bomb testing, sightings went through the roof. Do you think there's a correlation? It's an, like I believe one of the things that touched on in the documentary was um, how it the energy that's created attracts them. Do you think there's another reason, perhaps? I know you're not necessarily the UFO expert, you're the documentarian, but I mean, you got to have some opinions on it. Sure. I mean, like, from all of the research that I've done in the past 10 years regarding UFOs and, um, like you said, these energetic events, mm-hmm. um, they seem to attract UFOs. Um, that's absolutely 100% correct. Uh, why? I don't know. Right. Um, I, I I would have to speak to the occupants of these crafts, <laughs> probably, yeah, uh, to get their feelings and, and understanding. Uh, but I doubt that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing is that you know we cover that in in this documentary that uh, Bergen University from Norway, they apparently came down and were researching the volcano Popocatépetl which is quite close to Mexico City and Puebla and all these massive Mexican cities. You know, uh, Mexico City has 30 million people. Mm -hmm. So if something were to happen at that volcano that was catastrophic, Mm -hmm. it could really affect millions and millions of people pretty quickly. Right. Um, And uh, this university was researching the volcano they noticed they were recording a little bit of seismic activity and also the electromagnetic spectrum the electromagnetic uh, energy that's being released by the volcano from mm-hmm. the massive chamber underneath it and they while they were researching this they started noticing the volcano was becoming active and it was looking like it was going to erupt because they were recording all this electromagnetic uh, magnetic 
energy that was building up and, and you know, this can be back checked with all kinds of other volcanoes before they erupt. This seems to be a common occurrence. And a UFO showed up while they were doing the research and they saw this and all of a sudden the energy went away. It, it just kind of dissipated, completely dropped. Hmm. Um, yeah, so Jaime Malsan seems to think that maybe this was a effort by the UFO and, and it was kind of siphoning energy out of it. I don't know why, but that was that's a speculation there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we look at the nuclear bombs that were tested back in the 19, late 1940s, Bikini Atoll and so on. Uh, UFOs were showing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the UFO wave of the 1950s and 60s were followed by all of this nuclear bomb energy release that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe they were attracted to that, yeah. If you look at a lot of the UFO videos that have been ca- captured in space by NASA space cameras, um, like the STS missions, you can just Google STS um 80 UFO video mm-hmm. and there's this really incredible video of these UFOs literally coming from above the Earth's atmosphere and then hovering down to this electrical storm, this lightning storm that's happening over Africa and they just stop right over top of the this lightning storm and this is all being recorded in uh, ultraviolet light spectrum cameras. So probably not even that visible to the human eye, but it shows in the video, you can't argue with the video, that there are these objects being attracted to this lightning storm. So again, energy. And uh, I don't think it was a small uh, storm. I think it was more like a tropical storm, like some kind of... uh, hurricane type storm right um so maybe i've digressed here but uh you're spot on with that ufos throughout history and you know it has been recorded on many different cameras from multiple different sources um both picture and video uh sightings around energetic events on earth so as a filmmaker yourself, what do you say to people who say, well, it's not real, it's doctored footage, it's edited in a certain way? How do you, especially those like really staunch uh, skeptics, what do you say to them? How do you convince somebody that, yes, this is legit, nothing was tampered with, this is what we saw? Sure. So first of all, um, it's not my job to convince a staunch skeptic right. on a subject. Um, a staunch skeptic, if they're an intelligent person, they would go out and they would look at the data and they would let the data prove itself. Mm-hmm. You know, But if they are a debunker or a skeptic, my experience has been that you can't say anything to them to convince them otherwise because mm-hmm. their mind is made up. Right. They're literally suffering from cognitive dissonance at that point. Right. Um, but what I, you know, 
in terms of some videos showing tampering or fake UFOs, that's true. There's plenty of evidence out there uh, from this happening. Um, I've seen it myself, and that's what keeps the best videos, the best photographic evidence, the stuff that's been analyzed by physicists and credible eyewitnesses that understand what they're looking at is not something that could be ruled as um, a typical commercial civilian aircraft or military that we know of. Mm -hmm. That's when you've got to say, okay, I'm putting on my thinking cap and analyzing the data. And um, yeah, so you got to sift through the bullshit Mm -hmm. and you've got to let the best information rise to the top for people that just have no um, ability to do that. It, that's on them. Yeah, lost for cause. those that are interested in this subject, obviously they already have done some of that research and understand the credibility behind the phenomenon. Um, and there's more and more and more information coming out every year that provides more and more credibility to this subject. Right. So, um, you know, let the skeptics stick to their <laughs> Super Bowl and their uh, <laughs> UFC fights. Right. <laughs> Don't let them, you know, become the armchair expert that gets to chime in on the UFO subject. Right. I would say they're highly illiterate in the subject. No, that's that's a fair assessment. Uh, you did mention something a little while ago about um, how uh, Mexico and that sort of region just below the United States and North America, they're kind of overlooked when it comes to UFO phenomenon. Do you have any uh, answers or reasons or opinions as to why you think that is, even though it does appear like they have a lot of activity going on down there? It's, it's just, it's, it has to do with media um, control, you know, and, and, me, and what the dominant media source for each country is. I mean, in Canada, we have CBC and um, CTV and, uh, you know, you name it. We, we've got our own uh, media sources. And CBC, I, I was on CBC radio twice this month already talking with uh, um, uh, what the heck's his name Andrew uh, Crystal mm-hmm. Andrew Crystal Crystal Nation his show with Stephen Bassett actually so there's an interest in Canada and uh, former Attorney General Paul Hellyer he was uh, he worked for the former Trudeau uh, government and uh, he you know, was helping protect Canada. He had a lot of uh, connections with Canadian military agencies and American military agencies. And he's been on the record now, you know, he's written four books about UFOs and uh, extraterrestrial uh, interaction with Earth. Um, So, you know, there's a famous Canadian right there that's taken this subject very seriously Mm -hmm. uh, and believes it's true and that, it's not 
being acknowledged or disclosed in a big way by our governments. Um, and then you've got Glenn, uh, John Greenwald, who runs the blackfault.com, which is just basically a massive repository of all government documents that have been declassified uh, regarding UFOs. He was the one that actually was responsible for the recent CIA release of thousands of documents regarding UFOs. Okay. Uh, he did a uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, request and finally got stuff. Well, he actually went to the Canadian government back in 2001, and he did a similar Freedom of Information Act. It's something different in Canada. It's called something different in Canada, right. not the U.S. terminology. Um, but he got documents from the Canadian government showing that NORAD, which NORAD Canada is part of, mm -hmm. and so is Mexico, mm -hmm. Uh, requesting, uh, uh, published that they have had an active interest and they've been researching UFO activity for a long time uh, over our combined airspaces. So that shows that Canada knows about this, the, the uh, military at least does, but there's an active agreement between the United States, Canada, and definitely Mexico uh, not to disclose this to the public. It's it's not to be meant. It's not for public eyes. It's meant for national security interest eyes only. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, sometimes we can get glimpses of it or releases. And it looks like this year we might be getting more of those releases. Kind of like uh, what started in 2017 with the Tic Tac UFO and gimbal video released by to the stars academy mm -hmm. which then you know the pentagon uh certified as real and provided further confirmation that it's not our uh craft mm -hmm. in 2020 april of 2020 um i think mexico you know they have their own media which is prevalent there uh tv azteca and you know, their own radio shows and such. It's the media in the United States. Obviously, we know Fox News and CNN control 50% of the eyes on either side of the political aisle. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's just the way the cookie, the cookie crumbles. You've got um, mass media that is popular in each country and some media sources take it seriously and i think uh it's not a really it's a neutral political idea mm -hmm. this phenomenon and the study of it because republicans and democrats both are interested uh you know liberals and conservatives are both interested in canada uh probably ndps as well maybe jack layton was <laughs> playing his flute at some parties and then talking about UFOs offhand with some of his <laughs> friends when he was alive. You never know. You never know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's definitely a subject that is more, you know, to do with, it's, it's existential mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be a media, um, or politically driven 
subject. It should be a question of humanity and, and where we stand in the universe, really. Right, a question of biology more than political science. Sure, uh, astrobiology. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how, as somebody who really dial, delves into this sort of stuff, have you ever had any experiences with government officials or like, you know, the, on the extreme, I like the men in black sort of thing. Um, anybody trying to silence you or is that just all sort of like Hollywood myth? Um, that's, so I haven't had like a man in black experience, but, um, I think what's most important and the events that would summon from my research, what would summon a man in black event mm-hmm. or encounter is usually something that you can prove. Okay. Um, you know, my document documentaries speculate. Right. 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 They say, hey, there's something here. Should we be looking at this? Should we be not taking this more seriously? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But unless I had something that I 100% can hand to you and say, this is proof, this is happening, government cover-up, here, 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 and there. Mm -hmm. That's the type of thing that will get you in hot water with uh, probably the military-industrial complex that are controlling the narrative, right? Right. And any time that these man-in-black encounters have happened in the past, um, it's from credible witnesses that may have, you know, let's take, for example, you know, rewind completely and go to 1947, mm-hmm. uh, the Roswell incident. Yep. The, uh, you know, government came out initially and said, we've recovered a crash craft. They quickly panicked when they realized that's not the right way to go because we need to control the narrative. Uh, they released a statement saying, no, this was uh, a balloon, yeah, weather you balloon, know, crashed yeah. weather balloon, yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Jesse Marcel came out and made his release statements uh, from the American military uh, trying to control that narrative. And, um, and Project Blue Book eventually happened. And even in Project Blue Book, they scientifically said that over 20% of those um, cases were reported by credible observers that cannot be explained by natural phenomenon. And um, basically, what I'm trying to say is that um, you, you have people in all of these events throughout history, whether that was Roswell or, you know, Project Blue Book events, and people can watch the History Channel fictional uh, version of that, which is still linked to real stories that happened throughout uh, J. Allen Hynek's research of these UFO events, Mm -hmm. which many of them had men in black encounters. Uh, that were recorded that the government was either involved in or off the record or these uh, civilians who had maybe trace evidence from the encounter, you know, pieces of the object, 
for example, Roswell, there were hundreds of people that were uh, part of a crew cleaning up the crashed craft uh, location in the desert there. And people kept pieces of the object, you know? Mm -hmm. And these were the type of people that were visited and threatened. And I'm not that type of person. I don't have uh, something physical that can prove these events. So I'm probably not going to get that type of hassle. Right. But um, I have been hassled, uh, believe it or not. Um, I've been harassed by... Uh, I'm pretty sure Jim Oberg and his cronies. Um, I don't know if you know who that is, but I'm, he's a former NASA employee, retired NASA employee that loves to debunk and go after um, folks that present information showing possible anomalies and UFO events in NASA space history. Right. And... Uh, I published a documentary back in 2017 called Beyond the Spectrum, mm -hmm. which was basically just a expose on many UFO videos that have been uh, released by researchers, you know, civilian researchers that have isolated uh, different videos that were shot on space cameras. So these, again, are government cameras that are in space. So they're not tampered with. Mm -hmm. They're not like animated over top of or something. This is real data that's being recorded. Um, and people are saying, what is this? And we speculate in that documentary and also bring to light that many of the videos that were recorded were recorded in a light spectrum the human eye can't even see in. They're experimental ultraviolet uh, light spectrum cameras. Right. They're above earth orbit and they're focusing in on ufos that are like going into the atmosphere and such right mm -hmm. so it's kind of odd you know it looks like the camera operator knows what they're doing and is zooming in and focusing and all that stuff and, and capturing all this data of weird objects moving around with you know intelligent movement not just drifting and um so I published that documentary, and every comment that uh, arrived pretty much in the first year on Amazon Prime was a, like, uh, like NASA proponent or somebody from a scientific background that, you know, just completely attacked me mm -hmm. and attacked... Uh, the, the notion that these are UFOs, but didn't actually uh, look at the data and understand that, you know, what's happening in the video can't be explained as, uh, you know, some kind of fabricated lie. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, even uh, a pretty famous physicist, Jack Kasher, who worked for NASA, looked at the videos and wrote a physics paper on one of them, STS-48. And that's in the documentary. And so, you know, those comments look like a takedown effort, in my opinion. They mm -hmm. look like a...
directed and concerted effort to destroy something, you know, right. so that it isn't taken so it isn't taken seriously by the public eye. That's probably the only time. The rest of my documentaries, uh, you know, you get your usual skeptics, but that one, which has to do with space and NASA, really, really, really got attacked. Yeah, struck a nerve. Seems like that it looked like something was going on there. Huh. Well, I mean, all throughout history, great minds and unique thinkers, you could say, have always been attacked by the sort of status quo. So maybe you're onto something with that one. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, So I just got one last question for you today. Um, What got you into all of this? Why uh, the supernatural or the uh, unexplainable, I should say, not supernatural so much. Um, Your documentaries range from uh, Sasquatch to aliens and a whole bunch of other topics that are very interesting on the, the scientific end of things. So what got you into that sort of field? I'd say, like, I've always been pretty Mm open-minded, and uh, I've always been interested in, you know, this idea of UFOs and such. In university, um, I studied a elective course, which was astrobiology, but we really didn't uh, do crazy astrobiology, you know, like math and all that. We did the theory of life in the universe, and the course was actually called Life in the Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we studied, you know, I was probably only 19 years old. The, the, the whole idea was uh, explaining to the masses, you know, to a, a layman student's mind that Earth is not unique, that, you know, there's things like the Drake equation that mathematically purport that uh you know if if our uh, if we look at our solar system and then we extrapolate that to the galaxy that we live in the milky way if we hunt for stars that are like ours that have planets surrounding them that are like ours that may be in the goldilocks zone meaning, you know, close enough to the sun to have water and uh, not be a poisonous or uh, hostile environment to grow life. Mm-hmm. And then that life does grow and it becomes intelligent enough to build technology. And if it builds that technology, it is reaching out to the stars and hasn't destroyed itself yet and had learned, inter- you know, the further part to the Drake equation that uh, isn't probably discussed in that book, but my mind goes there is, okay, let's talk about the civilizations that also um, have gotten past destroying themselves with that technology, but also are now interstellar, Mm -hmm. you know, have used that technology to search the stars for other intelligent life and research the fabric of the universe, let's say. Um, That's kind of where my mind went when I was taking that course. Mm -hmm. And I found it interesting that the Drake equation stopped at uh, intelligent life that has created technology to communicate with the stars but hasn't destroyed themselves yet. Uh, And 
I guess that's just the great information filter. You know, not everybody goes through that. Not everybody has the imagination to go beyond that theory. Mm-hmm. And uh, just with that equation alone, there's something like a million planets in our galaxy alone that can harbor life that's like us. Right. That's probably more advanced than us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, if you look at our planet, it's in a star that's on the outside of the galaxy, of the, the uh, galactic disk. And the stars that are closer to the center are thousands of years older than ours, like millions, right? Right. So that means if life started there at one point in history, they have had a head start. We're in the boons. And right. they're welcome to probably travel out to our part of the disk and check out things going on in this neighborhood that's a good way to put it <laughs> yeah the city kids good. coming out to the country to see what's going on it's a cosmic truck stop for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good line to end it on i think uh darcy thank you so much for uh taking the time to talk to me about your experiences and adventures and uh documentary filmmaking and the ufo scene in general uh so speaking of the um latest one or i don't know if it's your latest per se but what we're talking about today is the volcanic ufo mysteries where can people find that sure i think in canada they can see it on uh prime video um and google play uh probably apple tv that type of thing Mm -hmm. um but if you're in the united states if you have podcast listeners over there it's Mm -hmm. definitely on prime Amazon Prime, uh, YouTube Red, Google Play, iTunes, and uh, cable, uh, Verizon Fios, Dish TV, and, and a whole bunch of other on-demand services. So how, however you you know consume your media uh, should be pretty reachable. Awesome. And people, people can check out my website mm-hmm. if they want to see other films I've done. Uh, www.occultjourneys.com mm-hmm. uh, film posters, trailers you know, they click on the film posters it goes right through to a page they can watch the film awesome, well once again thank you for stopping by thanks Casey, it's yeah. been good chatting with you man that was Darcy Weir as you can see he has a lot to say on a lot of interesting topics and if you are a frequent listener to this podcast then you should be very interested in the things he is saying. As he mentioned, you can find most of his work, if not all of it, on various streaming services, including Amazon Prime, or just check out his website at occultjourneys.com. Thanks for listening.